We are celebrating an event with over 2 billion people around the world this morning. It is an event rooted in time and history and yet timeless in its impact. Like a massive stone tossed into the waters, its ripple effects continue across the globe. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead after being crucified for our sins. Years of prophecy had been revealing that God had higher plans for human history. God's son fulfilled those plans. One who showed transforming grace to all from the most simple and sinful to kings and teachers, all in, in, who in humility and hunger had ears to hear. To them he preached of a new kingdom, the kingdom of God, not some new political order, but the very reign of God over the powers of evil. But the climax of this great mission surprised them all. Suddenly, a triumphant entry into Jerusalem became talk of betrayal and an arrest and a hideous crucifixion. There in the grave, their hopes were sealed by a stone. But then, early on that third day, as the sun rose, the morning light revealed the power of God beyond anything they had ever known. The defeat was actually a door. The tragedy was triumph. The ultimate sacrifice released the ultimate power for life and for freedom. Welcome to Easter Sunday at Community Grace. It's so good to see familiar brothers and sisters and visiting friends. We're so glad that God has enabled us to join together. It is no accident, no mistake, that we're all here together right now in this moment. We are proclaiming Jesus' gospel. Gospel means good news. Let no one leave here today without understanding, grasping, considering what the gospel means to you. The gospel, here it is in the most clearly presented two verses in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, the Apostle Paul just states what it is. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Meditate on that. First importance. There's nothing more important than this. What I also received. He received it. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures that had prophesied it. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He came to save us, to pay our debts so we didn't have to on the cross. That's what Jesus himself said. This was the mission statement he gave. I came to seek and save that which was lost. What's the problem, though? Why do we need saving? For this today, we're going to open our Bibles to the book of Romans, if you didn't get a Bible or a bulletin, would you raise your hand, and Chris has them right here. He will give you a Bible or a bulletin, or both, whichever you need. And open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. The concept of freedom has been the running theme throughout our church's year so far in 2021. And we're going to continue that theme today focusing on freedom, the greatest freedom, freedom through Christ. And Romans proclaims it 
so loudly that we can't help but hear this message of complete hope. A little intro to the book of Romans. Rome was the superpower in the world for centuries. And the Apostle Paul wrote this book knowing that it would be read by hundreds of thousands in his day and countless billions since. People have called chapter 8 in the book of Romans the highest peak in a mountain of ranges, a range of mountains. They say, when you're down, discouraged, or depressed, come to Romans 8. If you struggle with guilt, read Romans 8. If you struggle with sin, read Romans 8. If you're going through trials, you guess it? Read Romans 8. If you don't know how to pray, read Romans 8. If you're struggling with assurance of your salvation, read Romans 8. And so today, we're going to open our Bibles to Romans 8. We're going to discover four ways that we need to be freed today. We'll examine the first four verses most closely, but first, I want to set some context about where Paul has been in chapters 1 through 7 that led us, leads us to this point in chapter 8. And the first point there to start with that is we see the biggest problem in the entire human race and that we all need to be freed from the slavery of sin and death. It's a problem we all share, and it's the biggest problem that we have. The biggest need that we have to be freed from slavery of sin and death. For this, a quick look at the seven chapters leading up to chapter 8. We'll just do a quick survey. In chapter 1, we find the key verse for this entire book. Romans 1, verse 16, where Paul says right out front, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And this book is a theological masterpiece about the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what is the problem? Why does everyone need salvation? Because everyone is enslaved. How many people are enslaved? Everyone. That's my proposition to you this morning. Everyone is enslaved. Everyone. Now, slavery means a lot of different things and takes on a lot of different forms. We could start with human trafficking. Did you know there's over 40 million slaves in the world today, a million in America. Feel the, the weight of that sin. Half of the world is enslaved by fear right now. Sophisticated fear-mongering, the threat of COVID-19 has enslaved the world in fear. But add to that, it's not, that's not the only fear. Add to that the threat of environmental crisis, people fear. Global terrorism. People fear Marxists that destroy nations, remove our freedoms. Hackers that could bring down banking systems. It could happen right now. Fear enslaves many, cripples people's lives. Anxiety and depression have skyrocketed through the roof, especially with young people, with broken homes, peer pressure, hopelessness, and smartphones being among the top causes. Most Americans are slaves to addiction. Almost everybody's addicted to something. When you take the, per the percentages of alcoholism, 
drug abuse, prescription drug addiction, pornography. Even 10% of young men are clinically addicted to video games. Add smartphones again, people's approval, and less mainstream things like addiction to stealing or lying. I just can't stop lying or stealing or anger. Everyone is a slave of something. Many are slaves to the wounds that they've received. You can't break free from that. Or the guilt and the shame for the wounds that they've inflicted on other people. Buried under the weight of those things. I took a tour of the Kosciuszko County Jail last week. Met with the chaplain there to explore what kind of ministry opportunities there might be for our church. He gave us a tour and told us a lot of stories. One of the stories he told was of a violent young man who was there who responded to his message on forgiveness one day. And pulled him aside and, and he asked this young man, who do you need to forgive? And the young man said, my dad, for beating me my whole life. The chaplain said, is there anyone else? The young man said, my uncle, for raping me my whole childhood. He had so much pain, but he wanted to be freed from it. And he prayed that day. And the chaplain said that the men in jail are desperate for forgiveness. They have the weight on them. And when they turn to Jesus, he's seen the weights that are lifted off of them are immense. We all carry these things. We're enslaved by so many things. But friends, even more significant than all of that or any of that is this, that every single human is enslaved by sin and death. The Bible proclaims this very clearly. Romans 8, shortly after that opening statement, verse 16, paints the picture of the world's condition. Verses 18 through 20, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his individual attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived by every human ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, the creation. Uh, just look at our bodies. Just look at the nature around us in the sky at the atomic level that proclaims a creator so they are without excuse. Our eyes perceive, but our sinful, prideful hearts reject it and suppress the truth and reject God, and they are all without excuse. As a consequence, people drift further and further into every direction and every form of chaos and spiritual and mental distortion in every direction that the sinful human heart could possibly go. We see that all around us. Hear this about every human's condition. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. This is our problem, our biggest problem. Romans chapter five explains that this is why we all die. You know, 10 out of 10 people die. That stat hasn't improved. This is why. Romans five says, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death entered through sin, and this way death was passed to all men because all sinned. We are all slaves to sin and death, ultimately, but God in his grace does not leave us hopeless. Chapter 5 continues, just as the result of one trespass, the sin of Adam, brought condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness, that's Jesus on the cross, one act of righteousness, 
Jesus on the cross was justification that brings life for all mankind. Romans 6.23, moving along in Romans, puts it this way, for the wages of sin is death. We have sin, we have death. That's the just wages for sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life, eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You are hearing this correctly. In our sin, we are all enemies of God, spiritually dead, unable to do anything on our own, and under his just penalty of condemnation. Good news, right? Honestly, I bring good news. But the good news isn't good unless you really understand how bad the bad news is. This is our state. Condemnation, which is eternity in hell, separated from God forever. Separation from God. He can't be in the presence of sin. Jesus says to preach this truth because we love. And so we will until we die. But when we put our faith in Jesus and receive him, we are freed from all sin and death. Ah, that feels good. We are freed from all sin and death through Jesus who paid the cost in his death. We had five baptisms last Sunday, if you were here last Sunday. These are testimonies of people proclaiming this very thing, that I have received life and freedom through my faith in Jesus Christ. And we rejoice. Praise God. But though Jesus brings us slavery of sin and death to forgiveness and eternal life, here's my question for Christians here now. Do Christians still sin? To be honest, of course. Of course, Christians still sin. So we come to chapter 7 in Romans. We're moving along. And we find another type of slavery. The law. Here's a picture. Do you know what this is in this picture? This is the law scale. Evidence piles up on both sides, one side or the other, and you're either guilty or not guilty, depending on the weight. Many Christians look at our favor with God and our self-worth through this in the same way. But the law, Romans says, the Bible says, does not save, it does not give life, it does not give me power to obey it. This is what Paul is wrestling with now in chapter 7, and I know everyone in this room can relate. Hear these words, taken from chapter 7, verses 15 through 24. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do it as good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! 
Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Oh, those are real words, aren't they? If you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, then you have been brought from death to life. That much is sure, and we're going to continue to make sure of that. But we still battle slavery. Slavery to sin. We do what we don't want to do. Slavery to ignorance. We don't know or grasp yet our significance in Christ, our new identity. And the devil wins in our life as he crushes us. Slavery to pain. We haven't overcome the pain that we've received or the guilt from what we've inflicted. We're still enslaved to it. Slavery to defeat of all kinds because the enemy stirs up doubts about our salvation. He says, how do you know that your sins are forgiven? True Christians would never do what you did. You're hopeless. And we're enslaved to defeat. But we have gathered today to talk about freedom through Christ. So let's get there and claim it today. This is where Paul leads us right now. We've taken a, a quick journey through chapters 1 through 7, and here he, we arrive at chapter 8, verse 1. Our second type of freedom for today, to be freed from condemnation. All of us today, right now, Romans 8, chapter 1, chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul just descriptively showed us in chapter 7 that we do struggle with sin still and we do still die. Those are the realities. But he arrives at 8 verse 1 emphatically saying, but this right here, this is what Christianity is all about. This is what the Holy Spirit does for you. This is it right here. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And if you don't get this, you're going to be crushed by all those other things throughout your life. What does this verse mean? The key word is in the words, no condemnation. No condemnation. Condemnation is a legal word, and it means that you have been judged and the verdict is guilty, and you're liable for judgment. When you become a Christian by repenting and believing in Jesus and receiving Jesus, you are not condemned. If you know much about Christianity, you probably know that much at least. He gives you salvation, so we say we're saved. We're saved from some things, from sin and death, from hell. And you might be thinking, yes, it's wonderful that I'm not condemned. That's great. But here's why I think it's so hard for people to deal with sin and death and why so many people don't experience God and don't experience the fullness of life that he wants you to have for him. Because most people feel like when we receive Christ, we're pardoned, and that's a good feeling. But when we fall back into sin of any kind, then we become condemned again. Of course, then you have to confess your sins and you're forgiven and you feel great once again. <laughs> oh, but then you sin again. Oh, now God can't use me now. I, I don't even know if I can pray right now the way I've been 
feeling and doing right now, that I can't have victory over that, that thing that enslaves me. But that's not what God is saying. I mean, that's oh wretched man that I am, honestly. That's not what God is saying, and that's not what Jesus has provided you in his sacrifice, in his victory over sin and death. He's not saying you're not condemned for now. He's saying there is no condemnation. Look at the text. There is no condemnation. It means that for you, the Christian, condemnation does not even exist. It is gone. You, brothers and sisters, have been freed and removed from the entire realm of condemnation as even a possibility. Can everybody say praise God for that? It doesn't even exist. Memorize this verse because you're going to need it over and over throughout the course of your life when you sin and fall into these things that enslave us. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul goes there next in verse 2 to tell us what the basis of our freedom from condemnation is. Verse 2, for, this is the basis, this is the reason, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Okay, your, your freedom takes place through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 19 times in Romans 21 times, actually, in Romans 8. And we're just getting started here. Now, listen to the Holy Spirit here. Your freedom takes place from the, the, the Holy Spirit. What does Paul say here? He says that we, when we believe and receive Jesus, we are saved from condemnation by the Holy Spirit, by the law of the Spirit of life. So I was saved by Jesus at the moment of, I trusted him as my Savior because the law, and the law means binding authority, the binding authority of the Holy Spirit set me free from the law, the binding authority that had me bound of sin and death. You have a new higher power in your life right now, the power of God's Spirit living in you, setting you free from the old masters that you had in your life. This is the life Jesus wants for you so that you can, point four, be freed to truly live in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God, for the good of you and others in this world. To be freed to live. Verses three and four say this, that we are freed to worship God, we are freed to know God, we are freed to please God. We are freed to live in the Holy Spirit's power to face any circumstances in life. This is big any circumstances in life filled with the fruit of the Spirit. You think of any circumstance in life, I don't care what it is, it can be horrendous. With the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you face it with joy. Count it all joy when you face trials. Romans says, James says, you can face it with the fruit of the Spirit, peace. You can't do that on your own. You can't do that in your flesh. You can't do that without the Spirit, but with the Spirit you can face anything that you're facing right now with peace. Because you have the Holy Spirit and you know God's working in it and he's with you. You can face anyone with love. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God took two steps. In verse three, what Jesus has done. In verse four, what the Holy Spirit does. 
We can be freed to live in what Jesus has done. Verse three, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. All that stuff that condemned us before because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, he condemned sin. That is awesome. Because of what Jesus has done, we have this message of hope. Here's where our living comes in. Verse four gives us his purpose for doing this and what the Holy Spirit does. Verse four, in order that, here's the purpose, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Here's the purpose. Jesus saved us so that we'll follow him, so that we'll walk with him in accordance with him, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so. We don't just sit there. We're not saved by God's grace and his sacrifice and the Holy Spirit's power to just sit there. No, we live holy like Jesus did, joyfully like Jesus lived, victorious like Jesus was, as we walk and live filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit to overcome what you have to face. All of our journeys are different. All of the things that enslave us are different. We have the power and the purpose to walk according to the Spirit. Walking according to the Spirit, I can be completely released from my past And you can too. Completely released from your past. Completely. Embrace that today. Claim that today. I can be completely freed from everything that enslaves me. And so can you. You can overcome that by the power of the Holy Spirit. I can count every hardship in my life as joy. I can. And you can too. I can live a generous life that blows the world's mind and glorifies Christ. My eyes are on him, and you can too. I can reap the rewards of a powerful prayer life, and you can too. I can oppose all spiritual opposition, and you can too. I can cut off bad influences which keep bringing me back into bondage, and you can too. I can bless people in their present needs and in their eternal needs. And you can too. One lady recently shared this and it just connects so well. And we have these moments throughout our lives as we're walking with Christ. She says, there was a 20-year-old girl whose husband passed away suddenly. She asked me to help her process her grief and I remember telling God that I did not feel ready to help someone with such a large loss. He simply said, I'll be with you. And then as I spoke with her, Words I'd never planned were literally just flowing out of me. It was the first time I had ever experienced such Holy Spirit-led communication. I've never forgotten it. And from then on, I knew I could count on him to guide me through anything. This is a walk with the Holy Spirit. But we can't do any of this on our own. None of it. We try, but we can't do any of it in our own flesh. That's Jesus' point here. Only walking in the Spirit. So repent Turn from sin, turn towards God and walk with him every day in his word. This is how he speaks to you primarily. The Holy Spirit speaks to you through his word. You gotta know it, 
for him to bring it back to your mind in those situations. In prayer, this is how we have a relationship with someone. We talk to them. In worship, it's what God deserves and what we're created to do. Worship God and live. In fellowshipping with God's people, this is absolutely essential for us to gather and be with his people in big settings, in one-on-ones, in smaller groups. And in serving the world, which is why he saved us, to not just sit there. And ah, and all those things, we experience our freedom through Christ. Amen? That's God's word. Here are three next steps that I encourage you, urge you to take this morning. Number one is assess where you are today. I'm going to give you four options, and here's the instructions. Get out those communication cards, if you will. We wanted to make sure everybody has one of these in your bulletin, so I'm reasonably sure you probably have one nearby you. Pull that out. Wave it in the air. I'll wait for everyone. All right. I'm seeing them. Feel the breeze. Okay. Here's what I'd like you to, I humbly ask everyone to do. Write your name on the card. And then simply one of these four letters that you see on the screen. We want to know where you are today. And if you'll be honest with you, I think, I think God's got something very special for you today. A, I'm already a believer, okay? Write your name. If A, if you're already a believer, you write A in the top right corner. B, believing today. God might have orchestrated you to be here after an amazing journey, and it all makes sense today, and you're ready. Chris has pens. You can raise your hand if you need one. B means you're believing today. Write that. We'll rejoice and follow up with you and enter this journey of Christianity with you. C is you're considering. You're considering today. That would be wonderful to know. D, don't have interest in Jesus right now. You know, it's totally okay to be honest. And if I see these out there, you know, I'm just going to rejoice that you even came here today. That's really special, and I'll respect you for that. A, B, C, or D, please write your name, your letter, and put that in the offering as it's passed down the rows in just a moment. Also on your communication card is a great opportunity to do the second next step, and that's to get connected. If you're not presently connected like you need to be, want to be, at a church, at this church. This also corresponds with this insert that's in your bulletin, the Get Connected after Easter. There's some exciting things coming up. There's a brand new small group. The Ashenfelters are leading on Friday nights. This is a great time to get into a new group. Good job, guys. Thanks for doing that. There are existing small groups uh, with openings that want to be filled, and they would love to welcome you. You can just write the number of the thing on your communication card, and you'll be contacted. There's other events coming up. I'm going to draw out special attention to the Conquer series for men. That's for conquering porn. That's going to be an exciting. I've done this before. It's a 10-week series. It's going to start in June or July. It's the most amazing, incredible thing. You can bring people. You can just do exploration. Um, We'll talk more about that. Next week, also, the Family Dynamics Sermon Series. I want to tell everybody we've been journeying through Exodus. We're going to take a four-week break from that series and try to cover God's input on all life stage and family dynamics, the good, the bad, and the ugly over the next four weeks. So we invite you to come back for any or all of those sessions over the next four weeks. But please, go ahead and write something down. You see all those events. You might want to participate or sign up or get more information or volunteer. We'd love to see everyone connected. That's 
what that walk with the church is all about. And then finally is to care for the community. And the way the Holy Spirit has led our church to do that next is Operation Hug. You probably haven't heard a lot about it because it's brand new and we're just announcing it today. Over the next five weeks, here's what the Father's Heart Ministry has written about it. They're the ones spearheading this, and this is, this is how we're going to care for our community. That's, that's why Jesus saved us, and this is our next community care opportunity. I said, we are giving hope in times of uncertainty to point others to God, Operation Hug, by assembling special care bags to, to give every child entering foster care in Kosciuszko County in 2021. That's over 100 kids in the county. This is awesome. The bags are designed to care for physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. There's a QR code in the bulletin that links to the shopping list or physical copies are at the connections table in the back. You can pick them up. These are always so enjoyable to do. Each one of these bags is valued around $100 if, if they pack them up, and they're going to get. And Desiree, I just want to thank you for spearheading this as well. Since you're right there, I'll take the opportunity. Uh, I just ask everybody to participate in this and see what God is going to do in our community through our Jesus-like love. Uh, money donated will go to filling the gaps from uh, items donated that are missing. The drive will last five weeks. And then May 1st is a packing party. Watch out for that. When we build all the bags, write notes of encouragement to the kids and pray over the bags and the kids who will get them. Thank you, uh, people who are leading that and everybody who will participate in that. We're going to walk in the Spirit in every way he leads us to until Jesus comes to take us home. Amen? Let's do it. Let's pray and respond in worship. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for giving us freedom through Christ. What a great thing to receive. I pray that you will tear down the barriers, the, the things that enslave us right now to keep us from, from believing we're worthy, to keep us from believing we're not too proud. Give us a humble, open spirit that you, oh, that you revive and free and empower. I pray that your work in every person here will be done today. We'll sing praises to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.